0: Rise Up! Welcome to Rise Up Radar, where we keep the Falcons on your radar. Thank you for joining me, Stan Parker, for another episode. Let's have a ball and show. We are back again with another episode. We got Zach McCain, we got Todd Brooks. Boys, how are y'all guys doing?
1: Doing good, Stan. How are you?
0: Ah man, I'm chilling like a villain. Todd.
2: saying I'm I'm half asleep, but uh here. So hey man, let's do it. Look alive out there cuz this hate week. Yeah.
0: It is we got the Ants coming up, man. We got the swamp people. You going to let them come in here and just do whatever they want to do? No way, man. You got to get up for this game. So we obviously the Saints they play the Saints this weekend and uh my uh my, my first whenever I was thinking about this game doing the podcast is, is this the Falcons' biggest rivalry, or is it the Panthers?
2: You can make an argument for either one. I I personally think the Panthers are the bigger rival. It's been a more competitive series. Um, But the Saints have a more, I think, a a bigger flare of hatred about them versus the Panthers. I think the Panthers is more of a friendly rivalry.
0: What do you think, Zach?
1: Yeah, I would agree with that. I think just off the top when I think of rivalry, I think the I think the Saints um and I think and I don't know if it's just because more recent years uh the Saints have had you know a little bit more success and so that sort of lights a I don't know a different type of fire, I guess. Um you know, compared to the you know, compared to the Panthers, I'm I'm with Todd, I guess it maybe it's just a bit more of a of a friendly um Robbery, even if it's been maybe perhaps a little bit longer, you know, longer lasting overall. Yeah,
0: I'll definitely go with just um, – my my vote would be the Saints just because the amount of, uh, like you said, hatred, the, the vitriol that comes from Falcons fans to go to the, the Saints. It's just so – dude, it's crazy online and everywhere else. And I'm not so sure that it translates on the field. It does a little bit probably of – a rivalry of players getting after each other and cam jordan literally making a living playing the falcons um but i think it really is alive with the fans and so that's probably where i would i would lean toward like you, i think todd hit it perfectly is it's more of a friendly rivalry of uh of the, the carolina panthers and they're a little more classy than uh those people down in new orleans so uh I would I would go with the Saints, it's probably just the nastier and, and more the biggest rivalry. I guess you could have two rivalries and uh and for whatever reason the Bucks I mean obviously you play everybody twice. For whatever reason the Bucks have never been coined a
2: rivalry. So Well the the Bucks weren't in the Falcons division until two thousand two. So mm. that might be part of it.
0: Well there you go. That I didn't even think about that.
2: Uh, good call, well, Todd.
1: And I was gonna, and, and I would, I would like to hear, you know, Todd's, I guess, response to this. But I would, I, I feel like, as far as the um the robbery goes, was it really much of a robbery with the Saints, you know, before Drew Brees really, really got there? And there's nothing against Drew Brees in particular. I just think that that's kind of where the, I guess, the tide tide turned a little bit. Um Whereas I felt like in the early early two thousands, the um and maybe the late 90s, I think the Falcons were probably the, you know, the better, better franchise, or at least had more success.
2: Right. Well, in the, in the late 90s, at one point, New Orleans was one of the worst teams in the league for about a five- or six-year stretch. I think the Falcons won something like 11 or 12 in a row against the Saints. And then the um, Saints were good, you know, for a little while. They had uh, Aaron Brooks was their quarterback in the mm-hmm. early 2000s, and, and they were decent. But when Drew Brees came there, that was really you – that know, was a big game-changer
0: from uh and sorry just from san diego right they took a chance yeah
2: he yeah he came from san diego and that's when they drafted uh Philip river so they mm-hmm. traded drew Brees to new orleans and that changed everything And drew Brees became drew Brees in new orleans really i mean he had good years at san diego but he became drew Brees in new orleans
0: mm-hmm. for sure for sure so um so kind of diving into this rivalry. It's also a real hard work to say, but diving into this rivalry game, um, just I guess we can go around the room of like what's a matchup that you're excited to see or, or something that you're looking forward to or the Falcons maybe have an edge on. But I mean, there's a couple headlines to go, but um, obviously, number one, I want to take everybody's easy answer is the quarterback situation. Drew Brees obviously is injured. He has a cracked rib and a deflated lung, which I don't think. It, surely, it's not still deflated. I don't know. No one's doctor, No one's a doctor here. Although Todd or uh, Zach, you're closer than any of us to being a doctor. Um, surely his lung is not still deflated. But yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I don't. I'll be honest with you. That that's one of those things. I don't know. You know the recovery time for something like that, and if you you know if you go in there you know, with the, uh, <laughs> like the, the helium tank and, and pump it back up or what. But uh, no, I think that that's something that they, you, you wouldn't, you wouldn't want to leave it, uh, you know, uh, perforated or deflated like that for, for a long period of time. So I would imagine that they, you know, got that, that patched up and, and addressed. Um, and, uh, you know, So, but, but as far as recovery time, I don't, I don't know. I mean, obviously, you can play with a with a with a cracked rib. Um, but, so I, I guess a lot of it would depend on uh, just the severity, obviously, but um, the the amount of pain. If there's any kind of loss in range of motion, anything like that. But um, bottom line, he's not playing against the Falcons this week, so yeah, uh, we don't really have to concentrate on it too much.
0: So just kind of in the same vein, did you hear about Tyrod Taylor um, earlier this year that they were giving him like? He had think he had cracked ribs and they were trying to shoot his ribs up of like with the good stuff and they punctured his lung.
1: No, I didn't I didn't know that.
0: Yeah, that happened wow. like earlier Shoot, He had to like go and they I think it was halftime. I don't even think it was in the game. And now I could be wrong about that. You know, we'll fact check me later. But it was like strange circumstance. No, it was the warm ups before the game. I, they're at the stadium, they were like, Hey man. He hit me on the side here with some rib <laughs> juice. And then they stuck him all the way through, skewered him to the lung, punctured his lung, had to go to the hospital. That's wild. That is um, wild. That's, that's, hey,
1: 2020. I can't say I've ever heard of uh, – yeah, that's pretty – that's 2020 for you there. Um, that's pretty bizarre.
0: Yeah. So, the, obviously, the, the quarterback situation is, is one to watch for. And there's no way – it's going to be Taysom Hill. We've established that. It's got to be Jameis
2: Winston, right? Well, unless he steals lobsters from Publix again, then uh, probably.
0: Dude, listen. There is a montage. Yeah, that's horrible, by the way. Uh, we're still bringing <laughs> that up. Um, he's going to eat a W.
1: I was just about to say eating the W's is his, uh, is his new thing.
0: That's, like, cringy right there. See, like So, there's a montage of some troll – on YouTube went and put a montage together on of Taysom Hill as quarterback wherever he played college ball. And it was like him like bricking every throw. It was like he was holding his head up and like skip to him and like throwing in his stands and stuff. It's like the montage of all those horrible throws. Like he has hit throws in the NFL, but he's not I don't I don't know if he's your everyday starting quarterback. And so I saw on Twitter today that it was, like, Muhammad Sanu has more touchdowns than he he does. So <laughs> touchdown passes.
1: It, it makes you wonder if he's just like this right-handed version of of what Tim Tebow was. You know, at least in the NFL. Um, I, you know, I obviously being a Georgia fan, um, I don't I don't want to sit here and give Tim Tebow too much credit, but, um, and I know that a lot of his touchdowns in college. He were were rushing touchdowns, but um, you know he had a he had a good arm and he was fairly fairly accurate. Obviously, they just could never uh, he could never make things work uh, in the in the NFL. But it just makes you wonder if you know is, is Taysom Hill just this you know wannabe right handed Tim Tebow? Right.
2: Well, Tim Tebow was very good in college, but he was a lot better in college with Percy Harvin at receiver than he was without Percy Harvin at receiver.
0: Right, he had a real weird um, hitch in his delivery.
2: If I, he had
0: had a long delivery. It came down to his waist, real weird release point, just uh, inconsistent mechanics. And then, I mean, in college, you get away with that, and and in NFL, you can get away with it if you're good enough. Philip Rivers throws three quarters. He doesn't throw behind the ear. You know, you know, behind you know typical. Put mustard on it. He throws. Brett Favre is notorious for throwing a touchdown left hand. Obviously, there's some like, but he had him like this. Per the scouts, I'm not a quarterback whisperer, but per the scouts, they had he had like a throwing mechanic that he just couldn't get over the hump. Is he still playing baseball? By the way, is he still? Yes, the Mets, minor league. Yeah, minor league. Yeah. Um. So, with this quarterback situation of Jameis Winston uh, no doubt getting the start that changes does that change the way you play this this team like when you walk into with Drew Brees you're getting something different than when you're walking in getting Jameis Winston how, how do you think that changes the defense
2: I honestly feel like, and you may laugh at this, but I feel like the New Orleans Saints can actually be more explosive with Jameis Winston at quarterback at this stage than with Drew Brees because Drew Brees at this stage, I mean, he's, he's a fairly average quarterback at, at his age now. I mean, I think Jameis being the younger guy, let's see if he's got some decent coaching, some development under his belt, and maybe he won't come out and throw a bunch of interceptions for a change. But Jameis wasn't a bad quarterback at Tampa Bay. The problem was is he just had way too many turnovers.
0: Yeah which I, I, you know, a little bit of a challenge that, that factors in of being a bad quarterback. Uh, it's decision-making, but like you said, very talented. And um, mm-hmm. I I agree uh, with what you said, that they got a chance of being more explosive. That, you know, Zach sent me a funny text message. I'll let you expound on that. But, like, you know, uh, they have a chance of hey, maybe – stretching the field a little more, but, you know, obviously playing on the other side of the coin, devil's advocate. James Wilson doesn't have any – he played for the first time this year. No preseason, obviously no training camp. Um, For the first time this year, he played last week. He played one half of football. So, like, maybe getting his NFL legs under him, maybe getting some timing with his receivers and what have you, yeah obviously he's got a week of preparation right now with running with the ones but that could factor as well of like minimizing the playbook
1: yeah yeah uh, yeah yeah. i mean the thing is you definitely have to prepare a little bit differently i mean i think in the past even when um with winston at tampa bay he he wasn't he he was never one of those um you know run first quarterbacks by any means i mean he was a uh, I mean, there's a reason why he went number one overall. I mean, he's a, ta- a talented guy. I mean, I think that – I mean, if it's me – I know Chris had said the other night, I said the, the, the Falcons thing would be is that the Falcons would have a better chance of, being, of beating New Orleans with, with Drew Brees. Uh, I don't know if I would necessarily go that far. I mean, I think that, that Drew Brees has obviously had – even at his age, he's had his success against the Falcons. Um, I think the Falcons have a little bit better of a chance against, um, against James Winston um, I think just going off of what you were just saying, Stan, in regards to just you know the, the lack of, of preparation, the lack of experience with the guys that he's got. I mean, he's got a he's got some talented receivers. Um, and I get if Stan, I'm assuming you're talking about the one with uh, the text message about slant Thomas. Yeah. That, you know, not, you know, he's now has permission to you know run more than a four yard slant. You know, now that now that Drew Brees is not, you know, not back there, um, and so that'll you know that'll be interesting. Uh, but yeah, you just have you have to prepare a little bit different. But I think that the Falcons will, having that experience against Winston in the past, though, um, will you you know you can use that to to your advantage, uh, somewhat. And so, um, I think it, I think it's going to be a good game. I think it's going to be a close game, um. I don't I, I don't expect Winston to have a career day as Todd is predicting uh, you know a six touchdown game but um you know we'll see
0: yeah uh, go
2: ahead Todd okay so um, <laughs> th- there have been a total there have been a total of nine uh, games between Jameis Winston and the Falcons he's four and five so he's he's batting you know almost 500. Right. Against the Falcons. I, I think I – don't, I don't know if he's going to have that career day. You know, I kind of rethought that a little bit since we did huh. that. I was kind of just joking anyway. <laughs> uh, I just want to put it mad in numbers anyway. Yeah. But uh, – so, so maybe we should, like, repick our games and, like, repick scores and stuff at the very end because I had not done my homework and my due diligence um, at that point. But I, I think the more interesting matchup in this game is the Falcons against the New Orleans defense because that's one thing that's not going to change. The, the New Orleans defense – is a top four defense in the league, top three defense in the league. So I think the Falcons may have a hard time scoring points against the New Orleans defense, and that may be the difference in the game.
0: Yeah, um, and two, Calvin Ridley kind of just been held out. But I mm-hmm. mean, that's pretty that's pretty on brand for the Falcons right now, uh, of of players getting held out just to make sure they're wrapped in bubble wrap for for the upcoming game. But yeah, the Falcons offense whenever they decide that they're going to shrivel up uh, they'll score 13 points and s- nine of those will be field goals so um i hope raheem and dirt put together a game plan to which they stay aggressive i know it's going to be tough sledding on the ground um, cam jordan always has good numbers against the falcons and they've got a really underrated they, I mean, Todd laid it out right there, but they got a real underrated defense, in, in my opinion. You don't think of, you know, think of the Aints. You think of a porous defense, and they're just going to outscore you, but they're a little built a little different this year. And um, Lattimore has is, is, uh, got a pretty good secondary. So, yeah, uh, Matt Ryan, hopefully – Matt Ryan is at his best when he's getting everybody involved. Mm-hmm. Although, when Julio has his classic Julio games – life is easy for everybody and so he can go to other other of the people when he's got seven for 160 Um, but Matt Ryan's at his best when everybody's got three catches you know so hopefully they get back to that that keeps everybody kind of on their heels as well
1: so yeah yeah I I think I think that Matt Ryan has got to have um, not a career day but I think Matt Ryan's got to have a 300 plus yard day, uh, maybe like a three touchdown type thing, uh, you know, type day to, I, I think, to beat New Orleans. And I think he can. Um, but it, as we've said all year long, I think you were sort of touching on it. Uh, Stan, the the running game going to, it'll be interesting to see if we can get um, the running game going, but uh, I think that Julio is going to have to have a, have a, a big game. Um, and I think, you know, Matt Ryan's going to have to continue to do what he's always done, like you were saying, spreading the ball around. Uh, but we're going to have, definitely have to have uh, him, him have a have a pretty good game, I think, to have a chance. For sure.
2: And this is the best defense that we've faced this season, regardless of, of how you feel about the other teams that we've faced off with. I mean, we really only have two to compare: we have yeah. Green Bay and we have Chicago. Chicago Green Bay the Falcons but... really struggled to score. Against the Bears, it was good until it was Right, three and out in the fourth quarter. That's
0: right. Mm, man, I just I repress a lot of those memories for for uh, the beginning of the season. I just forget how how full of hope I was. They um, come, it <laughs> all comes flooding back to me. But yes, um, this that's a good point, Todd. I didn't even think about that. This would be the best defense they've played to date. Uh, they got a couple more on the schedule that are pretty good, but yeah this is uh, going to be a good one. And then on the other side of the ball, the reverse that matchup, you've got Alva Camara versus the front seven, Deion Jones. And so, obviously, there's headlines there with Deion Jones. Let's see. Well, how, how did Dave Archer put it? He said that Deion Jones is from New Orleans playing in Atlanta, and Al- Alvin Camara is from Atlanta playing in New Orleans. So um, uh, they 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 will be attached to the hip uh, all game of trying to outdo each other. So I think Deion Jones is matches up physically well with Alva Camara with speed and coverage. Uh, but Alva Camara is very dangerous, and I kind of would like him to get a lot of receiving yards. Maybe not, maybe not score too many points with, like, touchdowns, maybe some garbage touchdowns, but I would like him to catch the ball and run the ball a lot, uh, He's I, a, think he can, he's I think you're
1: going to expect. I think you'll expect a um, a busy day for Alvin Kamara, and I'm not necessarily saying that he's just going to go off, but I think that he's he's one that can take a lot of pressure off Jameis Winston, uh, and I'm and I'm speaking more specifically just through through the air, just out of the backfield throwing throwing it to him. I think that uh, he's a great safety blanket to have for him, um, and and Alvin Kamara, I wouldn't say that he's had uh, like an outstanding amount of success against the Falcons in his career. But, I mean, he's, you know, he, he's dangerous for anybody. Um, so, I think he'll be he'll be utilized uh, quite a bit. For sure.
0: Um, and then um, I think that's really all the, like, specific, like, matchups that I've been looking forward to. I've really looking forward to the Deion Jones versus Kamara. Todd brought up a good point about their def- – the Saints defense against – um, the Falcons and hopefully that offensive line speaking of offensive line kind of just off of my notes here um, left guard you still got Carpenter playing left guard right now Matt Hennessy is not not no longer splitting time with him the first couple of games he was but I think they've put that to rest so I think he's solely playing left guard um, and I don't know how many what his contract looks like i think he's got another year or two maybe a year um but do, how do you draft a guard do you think coming up in the next i know we're really far out from draft when I mean, we're in the middle of the season but just kind of first blush you go through you go guard in the in the draft at any point
2: potentially i i think that um you got to get the defense shorter first but definitely i mean i can see room for both lines of scrimmage to put somebody out there so yeah for sure
1: and yeah yeah I, I agree for sure got to got to adjust the, the defense first but i mean um yeah i mean i think any time that you can um you know beef up the that line just with depth um i think it's that's never a bad idea i don't think the, but no just please atlanta don't don't draft a, a guard first round. Just, you know, just and please. I was
0: looking at it, uh, again, um, not through through mock drafts and kind of just looking at the roster, that um, another big need that we haven't talked about on the show is um, a major need is coming up is safety. They, uh, they really, not only are they thin because everybody, um, you know, everybody's a walking medical bill, but – they um so ricardo allen might be a cap casualty got Keanu neal coming to the end of his contract and obviously jalen hawkins has just got there as a rookie but the other safety demonte casey gonna make a decision on him sometime soon so i think um you're gonna there's gonna be a need for inevitably at least one safety coming up so Look out! We might be yeah. a safety corner, not a safety corner in the uh, in the first round. There, Todd, I know that makes you happy, and I hope. I'm, I'm,
2: do Yale, or, no, or we don't State. need to do that in the first round. We do not need to do that in the first round. I know you're just joking <laughs> by mentioning Yale or Fresno State, but it would be like the Falcons to do that. and That would just, you know, if we did that. I would say to myself, I don't think we're any better off than we were under the old regime, because that would just be insane to do that. One. We need pass rushers more than safeties. I know we're thin in safety, but we need pass rushers.
0: Yeah, right? I, I agree. I totally agree. But just to float this out here, way too early, if we talking about any of this stuff, but it's entertaining. Just to get your thoughts, second round, Richard LeCount.
1: That's I was just about to say, there's a guy up in Athens, where's number two, that I think, um, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't know what Todd's opinion on it is. Um, I could see him lasting until then, till the second round, uh, especially with this, you know, most mm-hmm. recent injury that he's had. I mean, I could see him lasting till about the, I guess, approximately that would be, you know, around the 40th pick or so, maybe. Yeah, I would love that. And that yeah. would be appropriate the yeah. second round, not the first round. Richard LeCount's also a good leader,
2: and that's something that the defense really could use as somebody kind of just to anchor the defense. And I think he would really fit that mold. But, yes, you're right. He would slip more than likely because of this accident that he had on the moped. Um, I I could see him falling. And if he's there in the second round, if the Falcons even have a second-round pick, I don't even really know right now. But if they do, then, yes, they should pounce on it.
0: Okay. One little note. Um, I have some questions about the the accident but you're talking about if they have any picks i read a article today that um the falcons are in line to get three compensatory picks in 2021 so they get an extra they get three extra picks in 2021 um for tactic i had no clue I'll, I'll do some research again um t- uh, zach sent me uh, last time we couldn't remember how to do figure out how to do waiver wire i i figured it i mean I read the article. Seems pretty self-explanatory, but uh, they're going to get three extra picks in this coming up twenty twenty one draft. They'll probably be fifth and sixth round picks. But
1: is it know. for blow, is it for blowing those three games early in the year? Is, that, is it just the NFL being nice? Right, they are like, you know what, y'all are terrible. Y'all need to get back in the
0: fold. And they probably sending oodles of put picks to the Jets too. They're probably <laughs> going to look like the Oklahoma City Thunder. They're going to have 25 picks from here to – for the next five years. But yeah, no. Um, I, I don't – I think – I don't know how they award those, but they're in line for it. But back to Richard LeCount. Um, he was on a moped?
2: I thought he was in a car accident. No, nah, he was on a moped. He got hit by a car.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: Where? Like um, – I'm thinking it, it was pretty soon like they – had just gotten back from the game against, uh, I don't know, who were they playing that weekend? Kentucky. I can't even remember. Yeah, they were playing Kentucky. They got back, and he was leaving the butt smear building. And so I think it was, like, probably in the Lumpkin Street area where he got hit.
0: Whoa. Like, in town. Yeah. I'm thinking, yeah. like, oh, man. Yeah. Oh, okay. Boy, I bet you that guy feels real bad, huh? Um let Unless he was a Gators <laughs> fan. Oh my gosh! All right, moving on from that. Um, <laughs> back to the match. <laughs> uh, spoken like a true uh, Georgia boy, Todd. I'm not mad at you for that. That's no, so, um, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Anyway, back to this matchup here. Um, J- Drew Brees. How old is Drew Brees? Does anybody got a shot? Um, ancient. He's ancient. I think. Uh, I think he's.
2: I think he's uh, 40 because he – I saw Drew Brees play in college because Purdue played Georgia in the Outback Bowl January 1st of 2000. And I and he was a uh, junior then, and he still had one more year. And he led – yeah, he led uh, Purdue to the Rose Bowl the next year, and they lost to Washington, I believe. So, his last year in college was 2001. So, yeah, it's been 19 years. He's 41 years old. So, how many? So, is this
0: dream? Is this my main question? What I'm getting to is, are in it was this is this Drew Brees last year? Do you think? Did he retire after this year? Is this the last Falcons Saints matchup that
2: or I guess next one if he plays? But if I were Drew Brees, I would retire, especially after this latest injury. I mean, he's just getting too old to be out there and doing this stuff it's too physical for him at this point
0: yeah i think that's kind of how the writing was on the wall for andrew luck that he had like organ failure that i mean he's having internal organs like that's different than a, oh i tore my acl which stinks and that is not a fun one that i have never have torn my acl but ligament all that stuff but like we're talking like internal <laughs> organs and cracked ribs that's that can't help like wellness of life or whatever. The
1: yeah, I mean, I, I think, I, I think, a lot, I think, as long as Sean Payton is around, I think that that Drew Brees could could potentially play two or three more years. Just, um, I mean, because he's obviously showed, you know, I mean, yes, we can talk about the, the, the velocity and lack thereof the last couple of years, but he's still been able to have plenty of success despite that. And it's because of the the system of players that he has around. It's because of the familiarity with the coordinator or the coordinator with the coach. Um, I agree with Todd It's probably, it would probably be the smart move for him to retire, but I mean, I think that he can still be successful for another, at least another couple of years.
0: Yeah. I don't know. I've, I feel like,
2: um, I think I'm with Todd. I think this might be his last year. Um,
0: <clears throat> And they so, haven't
2: really done a lot in the playoffs. I mean, you know, they've, they've been to the playoffs. I mean, they've lost in like two just crushing like plays. Yeah, that whole, like just like soul
0: crushing, yeah, uh, Falcon esque uh, collapses and like last play. Yeah, just weird ways to lose. Ever since that uh, Sean, it. ever since Sean Payton gave uh, Devontae Freeman one of these,
1: <laughs> they've been choking away hate, in the you playoffs. You hate to see it, don't you? You hate to see it, Stan.
0: Mm-mm-mm. It really just breaks my heart. And then they were whining about remember they their season got cut short on a a blown passing interference call and Peyton Manning they had parades and everything else, took it to the board and got rules changed and he's such a crybaby. But that
1: there. was but but that was the but the the ironic thing was is that it was that game that right got that rule changed and then the very next year and the you know I think it was Kyle Rudolph that last year when he caught that pass against him and they where 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 they could have you know they could have easily called offensive pass interference and Mm -hmm. they and then they didn't so it was just uh you know again as a Falcons fan I just I thought it was funny yeah didn't hurt me one
0: bit not at all. Hmm. Slept like a baby. Um, do the Falcons have any Pro Bowlers on the team this year? Although they're not playing in the Pro Bowl, I don't think they're nominating Pro Bowlers. I think that's how
2: it's running today. But they have, they have one Pro Bowler, AJ Terrell. No, I'm just
0: kidding. Oh, snap, crackle, pop. I thought you were okay. I thought you were going Jimmy Johnson right there. But yeah, I, uh, yeah, I, I would go, uh, what's your, yeah, AJ Terrell needs to be in the Pro Bowl for sure. Um, Todd or Zach, what do you think? How many do they have? Any Pro Bowlers?
1: I mean, I I think that defensively, I think I think Foyer is a good um, would be a a good nominee, uh, a, a deserve a deserving nod, um, and then Matt Ryan, I think is has has played good enough to be considered um, in that um, in that discussion.
2: Honestly, I think Calvin Ridley could be in that discussion too. Had he been more consistent as far as playing mm-hmm. more games and not being hobbled up and banged up a little bit. He could be in the Pro Bowl. I think that. Yeah. I think I'm absolutely.
0: Totally. It's like a Foyer and um, I wouldn't go in Matt Ryan because cause the field is so like a nominee for sure. But uh, I mean, there's two. Yeah. You only get two. I think you only get two in the Pro Bowl. And the field is so extensive in the in the East. So um or not the East. The uh, NFC, NFC. That um, yeah, I would go Ridley and Alouacon. Would be uh, my two nominees, offensive, defensive, um, and I think I think that's all the questions I had wrote down. Yeah, we covered all of them, man. We ran through those six questions quick. I like it. Just um, because Chris
1: wasn't here to to,
0: <laughs> to spur us on, exactly. See, Speaking of that, Crystal. Uh, hopefully, we'll get Chris back in the fold. I mean, he couldn't do it tonight, but we'll, we'll get him cranked up and we'll get the schedule hammered out. Um, ha- hammered out so we can all, you know, join join up again. But I like doing the the, the four man format, so uh, it's been it's, it was a, it's really fun do with uh, smart people. And the crazy part about it is, is like we're we're all just friends, and just so happens that we know a lot about the Falcons. It's like, I did not like send out an email. It's like, do I have any Falcons fans that want to come on here? Like, it was like legit friends and like, like y'all are right there as smart as anybody of uh, covering this stuff. So it has it, been really cool. It's been, you know, we've got uh rise up radar has, this is episode number 38. I don't know if you know that, but that's, yeah, that's incredible. We'll be- that's awesome. Yeah, dude, we'll we'll hit we'll hit fifty episodes before you know it,
1: man. Yeah, no kidding. You know, one thing I wanted to sort of um, touch back on uh, as I was listening to the to the, like the last two uh, podcasts was the whole, you know, not necessarily the tanking thing, but um, Atlanta drafting a quarterback and why I feel like the defense is so much more important. Just to reiterate, I I was thinking to myself, you know, if, if you draft a quarterback. As well as Matt Ryan has played this year, I mean, would you even even somebody like Trevor Lawrence? And I know that I I know that the argument with Trevor Lawrence would be just the long term solution. Mm -hmm. But as far as short term, because I mean, of course, we all yes, we can all sit here and and think long term, but we want short term turnaround as well. But I I don't I don't really care who the the Falcons brought in uh, drafted, you know, quarterback wise. I don't think that they would be able to put up really at this point any better numbers right now than Matt Ryan is already doing. And that's, that to me is another reason why I feel like they really need to heavily invest in defense. Um, Again, I know long-term Trevor Lawrence would be obviously an awesome piece, Um, but I think short-term it would be hard for me to believe that somebody would be able to come in and just, and sort of outdo what Matt Ryan's already been doing the last, you know, last few years anyway.
0: Yeah, for sure. Dirk Cutter is really holding the, I mean, he's really holding the keys to the kingdom. Obviously, Matt Ryan's pulling the trigger, but Dirk Cutter's aiming the gun. So, I mean, as long as you got, you don't get any new blood in there, it doesn't – I mean, I feel like the, the vanilla play calling or whatever would still there. Matt Ryan's playing to the highest of that ability. I totally agree that I don't think Joe Burrow in this system would, would put up Matt Ryan numbers, not in year one.
2: No, no. I mean, you're not going to improve yourself in the short term. But I always look at quarterback, like you said, with the long-term angle because Matt Ryan, like it or not, he is closer towards the end of his career than he is the beginning of his career. So that's one thing. You have a sure thing you can get right now with Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, you're not going to be able to fix all your problems in one year. So your defense, you know, that's going to be a two- or three-year job anyway. So Trevor Lawrence – could keep you competitive during that time. You could trade Matt Ryan, get pieces, bring in Trevor Lawrence, go ahead and get him started, and then kind of work him up for the long term. But um, I mean, you're not you're not going to fix the defense in one year anyway. I, th- I think that's a two or three year project. You got to take it one piece at a time. Some linebackers, some defensive linemen, some uh, no more corners or safety. So, all right, so. Uh, yeah, I really think with Trevor Lawrence that he's a generational talent. He's some guy who could last 15 to 20 years in the league. So, I, I don't think it's just about, you know, getting a quarterback and, um, and just saving, you know, saving the defense for later. You just have to work on both of them at the same time. Now, with Trevor Lawrence, like, you have to ask yourself this question. In two or three years, you don't really know the answer. But, to, you know, Zach, how do you feel? Do you think Trevor Lawrence – is almost a guarantee in the NFL, or how do you
1: feel about it? No, Yeah, I would say that he's almost a guarantee. I mean, mm-hmm. it's so hard to, to – there's never any absolutes, but that I think, I think he's about as close to an absolute as you can get.
0: Right. I that think that's it right there, that I think he's the closest thing we've seen in a while to being that guy. Because whenever – even – I mean, okay, so how do you feel about Joe Brady? Is Joe Brady a shirt thing in the NFL? Is does he have?
2: I, I feel better about Trevor Lawrence being a sure thing than Joe Brady is a sure thing. But I would definitely, if I were the Atlanta Falcons, I would definitely take a chance on Joe Brady just because he's so different than what you've had back there already. You've had two defense. I think the last three head coaches you've had have all been defensive guys. Jim Moore Jr. was, um, Mike Smith obviously was, and then Dan Quinn was. So I, I think just moving in a different direction is a positive change to go from the defensive side to the offensive side of the ball
0: right and two okay and so sorry and jumping back into uh quarterbacks too but like the in the last couple of years what's the most like he's going number one he's the most like it's a surefire thing that he's going to be a stud what's the last quarterback that you thought of that way
2: um I can't say I really I mean, thought anybody was going to be a sure thing recently. I mean, probably Joe, Peyton Manning was the last guy I Joe felt that way about.
0: Do you feel? No,
2: I, I didn't even feel that way about Joe Burrow. I mean, Joe Burrow, we still don't know the story with him. He could have been a system quarterback under Joe Brady at, at LSU. We don't know. Right. right, right we don't right, right. know the story. I didn't feel that way about Joe Burrow either. The, the last quarterback I really felt that way about was Peyton Manning. That's the reason I'm saying if if you have a guy like Trevor Lawrence out of there, it's better to go ahead and do it because when are you going to have the chance to draft another quarterback of his caliber again? Like, you just don't really know what your opportunities are going to be. And you can always fix the defense later. But if Matt Ryan is done in three years and you don't have a plan at quarterback, it's not going to matter how well your defense plays. You're just going to be an average NFL team because we all know the NFL teams heavily depend on the quarterback. That is the number one position on any NFL team. It's more important than the head coach, the GM, offensive line, defensive line, Offense, running backs, anybody you have back there, you have to have a good quarterback to be successful in the NFL. It's been proven time and time again. And you, even these days in college, you have to have a good quarterback to be successful in college. So works both ways.
0: Yeah, definitely a big change there that I think that Alabama showed us over the years that you could have A.J. McCarron back there and still win national championships and championships. So I think now it's shifting to I think that college style – in the NFL style are getting closer together. And,
1: uh, yeah. And that's sure. why, I'm... go ahead, Tom. Well,
2: for sure. Well, what I was going to say, you know, if you go back and you look at Alabama, that's a good example because basically Nick Saban just had average quarterbacks there until Jalen Hurts was there. That was the first guy that really kind of rose the offense, and elevated it to a different level Then Tua took it to an even different level. And Matt Jones is really good now. So you've had three straight studs at quarterback.
0: Right. And speaking of, yeah, I think, I think, uh, Jalen Hurts is now getting the uh gonna start, I think, this weekend. Oh so, is he? Oh really. Okay. I think so. It's
1: interesting. Yeah. yeah, but and so what I was gonna say, just going off uh, off Todd's point, is um is that with um Trevor Lawrence, well I lost my I lost my train of thought there for a minute. Um so I'll come I'll come back to it. But um, – oh, no, I know what I was going to say. In regards to – that's why I raised that question last podcast about with the Falcons in the position that they are now, you know, would they be willing to, you know, trade trade up, you know, essentially, you know, trade Matt Ryan up to, to – try because I feel like – and that's to – going off then Chris's point, too, the unfortunate thing is that they've sort of played themselves out of that. Too far away. Being able now. to tank – yeah, and and get, and then get him, but then also ha- get him, and then be able to trade. Have have Matt Ryan there for trade bait for for then uh, draft picks to, you know, draft a defense. That's why, you know, of course, Stan, you and I have been kind of in the same boat all year in regards to, you know, the idea of tanking. Yeah, but I mean, uh, but but winning always, you know, prior, you know, priority, uh, first priority is to win. But that's where you can definitely sell me on the whole tanking idea. Um, would be so that you could get Trevor Lawrence and then be able to trade Matt Ryan to for picks to then shore up the defense. So. Right.
0: And that, well, you know, and they're they're closer to, you know, their their pole position hasn't changed uh, because they haven't played a game. But um, well, I guess it could have. But you know, they're they're two gate. They're in this weird spot of they're so far away from number one, and they're so far away from number one being the number one pick of the draft, a.k.a. the worst record, and they're so far away. They're two games out of the playoffs right now and in a pretty down year for the East or the NFC.
2: But I, I feel like this is different than with the Julio thing, though, because I feel like you could potentially trade Matt Ryan to whoever has that number one pick, the Jets or whatever, and trade a number one pick. And that might be enough to get Trevor Lawrence, possibly. It might take more than that. But I, I think you could potentially do it off of that. And that, to me, would be worth it. So I don't think we're out of this thing yet by any means of the imagination. But but I think you have to make the move if you're going to. Because let's be real here. Defense in the NFL, have you – When was the last great Falcons defensive team that you can remember? I I want to address that too because I can't. The last good defensive team, this wasn't even a great team, was a '98 team. They were good defensively, but all the the other playoff teams that they've had, they haven't been that great defensively.
0: No, they've been opportunistic. They've been, they've been the good. Like, but yeah, like you said, like when you you have historical like uh, historical teams that have great defenses. The Falcons aren't on that list. But there again, the way the NFL is being skewed towards the the rules and the the playmaking and everything else, that offenses have a really high advantage, that there aren't many franchises right now that are built on defense. I mean, the Steelers have a good defense. The Ravens have a good defense. Mm -hmm. Uh, If you think of, like, brand names like that, um, but any like obviously Seattle for a while they have a they played better um here recently tonight. tonight. Well,
2: I was going to mention that too. Seattle's last in passing, de- I mean, it's like a historically bad right passing mm-hmm. defense and they're winning now. They have come back down to earth a little bit because they, well, they were five and zero right now, they're right. six and three now, right. So they definitely come back down to earth a little bit, but their, their passing defense is historically bad,
1: right? Yeah, and the, and the thing is, the Falcons, it, to kind of prove Todd's point, the defense has never been the identity of the Falcons, or at least Mm-mm. in my adult life. No way, you know. So, uh, so, um, and and that's the key. Going back, uh, we were talking about it the other night. The the Super Bowl winners is that having that, uh, you know, a great quarterback or a fairly explosive offense, but. It always comes down to defense and having those uh, those strong defenses, and that's been the, you know, sort of the Achilles heel for the for the Atlanta franchise is that they that's just never been an identity of theirs, and so hopefully, and I know, the know. new
0: regime will come in and he'll be an offensive line of head coach, or offensive minded of head coach, and then he'll like, you know what, my best friend over here is like the best defensive play caller in like the entire world. let just give him a shot. just bring him along and then hey now we got a match made in heaven now we got a good defense and well a good scheme because i think a lot of what raheem morris has done is i think he's like stripped away a lot of like complications and say like hey why don't we just blitz you run here and hit this guy and then we'll just everybody play coverage and so i think I think it's I think Raheem Morris the secret sauce has been simplification. So, I mean, it's more reaction than thinking.
2: I mean, the Falcons have had some good defenses on paper. I guess literally, the stats said they were better than what they really were. But like, a good example of that would be, like, the 2011 Falcons team. But the offense camouflaged a lot of the defense's deficiencies by having that really good ball control offense. It's and that, then they get into a playoff matchup. Well, maybe it's a 2010 team. They get into a playoff matchup with the Green Bay Packers, and the Packers just blow them away within, you know, five minutes of the first quarter.
0: William Moore, the and William Moore and Sean Weatherspoon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Thomas. Yeah. yeah.
1: I, I think, yeah, I think with Atlanta, especially this year is you, you clearly, you don't have this these name brand players. I mean, obviously we can, we can argue, you know, you got Grady, Jared, you got Dion Jones, you got some, some guys there, but that's what I think is maybe where he Morris is doing is I, I don't know if it's, if it's just simplifying things or I think you just have to kind of change it, change it up a little bit. Um, you think- you got to, you have to, you have to mix it up. You got to be a little more creative with the uh, again that that lack of um, you know I don't want to say lack of talent, but you know what I mean. Yeah. You you definitely have to. You got to be a little bit more creative with those guys to 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 maybe you know wreak a little bit of havoc. For
0: sure. All right. So we've covered the draft. Covered our quarterback situation. We've covered this the Saints game coming up this Sunday um, at one o'clock. Saints and Falcons at Mercedes-Benz Superdome. Is that correct? It's away. And um, we're going to – now we're going to do score predictions. Because Todd predicted – I have the official list this time. uh, I decided to write them down this last week because Todd's prediction was the most outlandish prediction I've ever – I don't know what time we recorded that thing, but uh, Todd must – I don't know what Todd was doing, but uh, he said <clears> – <throat> Todd said it was going to be 51-31 Saints. Zach went with thirty twenty-seven. Chris went
2: with 30 24, and I went 28-23. So – well, you might remember, Stan. It's not the first time I've picked another team to score 50 points on the Falcons. I've probably done that at least twice this season. I remember I picked Green Bay to score over 50 points against the Falcons. I think I had that one like 59 to 17 or something. Yeah, it was, was it was on the other.
0: Yeah, it was <laughs> it, your disdain for the Falcons' defense just uh, it comes through in the picking these numbers or picking these games. <clears throat> All right, so Todd, give me your uh, give me your official. Up amended uh,
2: store, score prediction. Okay, so I still think the Saints are going to win the game. I was going to and pull that out right there, but I think it's probably going to be more of a 24 to 17 type game. I'm going okay, to give went. it a touchdown edge. Yeah, I, I think the defenses are going to hold in this game. I think it'll be more of a defensive struggle. All right, so Todd's going 24
0: 17 eighths.
1: All right, Stinky Town. Zach, are you staying pat, or you want to update yours? No, I'm. I'm going to stay 30-27. 30-27. Yeah, I think that the the Falcons' defense will will come through in the clutch when they need to the most late in the game. I think maybe cause a a couple turnovers. Matt Ryan has a couple touchdown passes at least, and uh, in a you know, a 300 plus yard game.
0: Yeah, I, I agree. I'm, I'm almost. I'm gonna say, Pat. I don't think I liked a lot of what you said. Um, I'm gonna go uh, 28, 23. Uh, Falcons. AJ Terrell gets a pick, um, and uh, they walk away on the last drive. Uh, it always. I don't know what the what the stats are, but the Falcons always seem to not have the ball in their hand in the last minute. So um, the defense stands tall and they win the game because of. In spite, maybe not in spite of the defense, but with a defensive stand. So,
2: but just in case Jameis Winston does have a like a career Madden game or something, then you're free to tell me on Tuesday that I should have just stayed with my pick and my original field in the game. So, right. But so,
0: no, don't worry. I haven't scratched it out so we don't forget the numbers. I just kind of just moved it over a little bit. So, I, re- I remember that. Oh, yeah.
2: yeah.
0: Yeah. yeah All right, boys. So it was fun tonight. Uh, anything else for the people? not all right good just deal
1: to a good game yeah looking
0: forward to a good game this is good i'm I'm actually looking forward to a lot of these games i'm like my heart uh but I, this rivalry game you know i just i think it's gonna be a good one i don't think it's gonna be a blowout i don't think it's gonna be a boat race i think it's gonna be tight and so i'm looking forward to a good game kind of had a week off from uh watching some football and uh yeah uh
2: go falcons rise up yeah it's rivalry week and um yeah, I'm looking forward to it. Watch yeah. the Falcons game. Get ready to prepare your fa- Thanksgiving feasts for the upcoming week. And, uh, That's right. Let's go. Let's do it.
0: All right, Falcons fans, rise up, Ra- Rise Up Radar Nation. If you like what you heard tonight, go ahead and like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcast these days. Um, we uh, publish our podcast every Tuesday or every Wednesday morning and every Friday morning. So they will be available to you around midnight. And, um, yeah, we're just looking forward to keep rolling, keep going and doing what we're doing. Uh, thank you for the support and, uh, until next time, fellas rise up.